Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, that is so awesome, and uh, uh, just had an awesome experience in, in worship. Now it was just so great to worship with you guys and see people really excited for God. Um, yeah, that was so so good. Uh, I just have a scripture here that JB said this morning that uh, he asked God to convince us of, in, of, of his love. Amen. And then Paul says in the book of um, uh, Romans 8 and of verse uh, 38, he says that I am convinced Come that on. nothing can ever separate Hallelujah. us from God's love. Amen. And um, this morning we... God, God doesn't need us to, God doesn't need to convince us of His love. We need to convince ourselves of His love towards us. So Paul says that, for I am convinced. And this morning, God's heart is for us to be convinced that He loves us. Because He knows He loves us because He's Father. And, 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 and with Father naturally comes love. So um, when with Father naturally comes love, we don't have to worry about um, sorry, let me just get this thing started up. Okay, there we go. Um, we don't have to worry about ourselves, worry about does God love me, doesn't He love me, because He loves us. He's naturally love. God is love, the Bible says. And so, um, if when, when we open up God, if we want to cut God open, the first thing you will find is love. Amen. You will find His love, you will find His grace, you will find Him as Father. The, the word Father, we can all also say to source and sustainer. He's our source and He's also the one that sustains us. And so when we look to God as Father, and uh, um, what we see is not only a Father figure, but we see an eternal Father. A Father that provides, a Father that sustains, a Father that gives of His best. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So He gave the best that he had in order for us to have what we have now and what we have now is oneness with him through jesus and, and uh, um i would just like to say thank you for for this this morning um, um you guys are really a lovely bunch of people you are really really awesome and uh, i'm just overwhelmed with the way i've been received and how your hearts are open to to me as well um my, so my name is chris Christa williams um, my wife Abigail uh, Williams, she's not here this morning, she had to work unfortunately. She wanted to be here, she was excited for this as well. Last night uh, uh, when I showed her my notes and told her just go through it and see if I haven't made any mistakes. She told me like, no, nah, it's fine, it's good and she was, ex she, she was like, yeah, I really wanted to be uh, here today. And, but nevertheless, she will have the recording of this as well. But it's just so much better to be here in person, yeah. to be able to yeah, fellowship yeah. in person. Yes, yeah. yes I'll definitely give her a love. Yes, it. yes. And so it's much more better in person because it is in person that we can love on one another. That we can give more of ourselves to one another as well. And that is after all God's purpose for our lives. It's Amen. like He gave love and when we receive His love and we are filled with His love, we are able to, to give, we are able to overflow of what we have on the inside. But the most important thing is it has to start with relationship with Him. So even, even as a father, you cannot give what you don't have. If you don't have love, God's love in your heart, then you cannot give love to your children or to any other per person for that matter. And so when our hearts, when God love flows into our hearts and we become convinced of his love and then uh, we are able to overflow and we are able to give that love to our children we are able to give that love to the community and also to the people around us as well um, just a, a bit of a testimony about myself this uh, early this year i had to make like one big decision and um, i was praying and asking god um, Father, you know, um, this is uh, the decision that I have to make and I believe that you are in this decision with me and the very verse that God gave me was 
uh, Romans 8 verse 38, mm. Paul said, for I am convinced yes. of the love of God. Amen. And he said that, don't worry about anything because nothing will be able to separate you from that love. Amen. And then when we are so in, endowed with the love of God for us, then we, like, we feel powerful. We feel like nothing is able to separate us when we know that love. You understand the word knowing, it's like to be close to it, to feel it, to experience it. So God's love is not only something that we say when we experience in worship, but God's love is tangible. It's something that you can touch. It's something that you know that is there because the Bible says He pours out His love into our hearts. Amen. So His love is poured out into us. So we can have that closeness with Him as well. Um, you know, uh, I think uh, uh, um, uh, uh, JB and all you guys messed me up this morning a little bit because <laughs> like, literally everything that I wanted to preach was already said. So I can just close my notes and then we can go home every Sunday. <laughs> yeah, well, so. I would like to share something, you know, that uh, please, uh, actually we have a personal invitation for your wife from all our church to come. Here to be with us. Yeah, definitely. Special invitation, please. Yeah. You do come. Definitely. Any Sunday you want. Any Sunday. All the Sundays, you welcome. We will definitely be. Uh, we will definitely come again. I have to bring it to you guys. Yeah. So. Please. Yeah. yeah. So she will. She will definitely love it here yeah, and just experience you guys' love. Yeah. So um, everyone has said it, but I would just like to wish all the fathers a happy Father's Day. And uh, um, uh, during this week, what was so awesome about it, um, my biological father actually passed away like 23 years ago so November end of November he will be 23 years passed on and uh, um, sometimes you forget what your father's face looked like because it's been so long and then my my aunt from my father's side sent me this picture of my father and I looked at his face and my wife said like yo this guy looks like you so uh, like I saw his picture and it's like I just got reminded again of who my father was, and, and, and um, personally, myself and my father, we didn't have a close relationship because he wasn't really in my life. And that is actually one of the things that I've struggled with over the years, getting, getting used to not having a father. And uh, uh, this one night, I just had this awesome experience with God where he said that, you know what, I am your father. Yeah. And uh, I just, at that night, I just burst into tears. It's like, yo, can this really be? Can this really be like, your God is my Father? Can I really accept that as well? And this morning, I would just like you to, even if you are fathers and, and you are sons here that doesn't have a father actively in their life, just open your hearts this morning. Just Amen. open it to God. Amen. Open it to the Father because like He is able to love us far beyond that our own fathers can love us, you know? Amen. Even if you have the greatest Father on earth, like He gives you everything and all that, God's love even surpasses His love for you. You understand? So, I'm not saying that don't accept His love, but what I'm saying is if you have it good, with God it is great. Because it's always better, there's always more. And, and just open your hearts this morning. And, and I just, uh, because Father's Day is very close to my heart, it's, it's like seriously close to my heart for that very reason. And I always think of the journey where God has taken me. And this morning, what I want to share this morning is not so much so about God as our Father, but more of Jesus as our brother. I want to share about Jesus as our brother and, and how uh, God as our Father ties into Jesus being our brother. And um, this weekend it was just so, just uh, we, we went to my, um, one of our friends and uh, um, she has uh, these twin boys. Beautiful boys, lovely boys, and doesn't know when to stop playing. It's like, it's like they don't know when, when your tiredness begins, their fun starts. It's like they don't know the end of fun. And you continuously have to play, have to, have to play, have to play with them. I just realized something that even though those two boys are identical when you look at their faces, they are not the same. They are identical, but they are not the same. What I mean by that is basically they look alike, but in their attitude and in their personalities, they are not the same. They can be like oil and water. They can be that different. 
because they have their own personalities, they have their own wants, their own needs. It's not like the one will cry and then the other one will start crying as well. No, if the one cries, the other one maybe laughs. If, if, if the one has this type of attitude, the other one has this type of attitude. And you could have seen it because one of the boys was like, I was constantly, I was like playing with him for like an hour. And the other one was just chilling, sitting there quietly. They're not even a year old. And you can see the difference in their personalities as well. And the way their mother explained it as well. But what I want to do this morning is to just to get to the place where, where, where I want to tell you that Jesus and us, we are more the same than we think. Not only in what He has done for us, but also in the struggles that He went through. And even in the struggles that we go through from time to time as well. It's like, I want to just explain that Jesus is no different to what we go through. It's like what we are going through, He already went through it. Okay? That's why it's very important that when we uh, um, start viewing our lives um, from God's point of view, we have to look at the finished works of Jesus. Amen. We don't look at what, he's, um, what He has done before the cross. We look at what has happened after the cross. Okay? Because if we live before the cross, we will never have this experience of having the Holy Spirit in us, leading us and guiding us. So, it is important to know that when Jesus said that it is finished, He, me he meant that it is finished. Amen. And so, normally, it's like with, the, with the, uh, um, the Comrades Marathon, it starts at in Durban and it ends in Peter Maritzburg or something. It's like the, the starting and the finish line is not the same. But with us in Christ, the starting and the finish line is the same. Because we start from the finish line. We don't start from the starting point. We start from where He has finished. Okay? So that means that if we are running a race, it means that He has ran it before us. So we are not running a race that Jesus is not familiar with. We are running the same race that He is not only familiar with, but He conquered as well. He overcame. Okay, so this morning I just want to, uh, um, um, just want to, uh, just go to my notes here. Sorry, family. Okay, so I want to start by just sharing in uh, the book of Romans 8 and uh, verse 12. I'm going to read from verse 12 to, to, to 17. It says that, Therefore, brethren, we are uh, debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, that is just basically explanation when we start at, uh, uh, at Romans 8 verse 1, where it says that therefore now there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ. Okay, then it says that those who live not according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. So verse 12 here just explains... Uh, when we live in the spirit, we are no longer dead, debtors to the flesh. So we no longer have to gratify the flesh because we are in the spirit. And then it says, for as many are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now that spirit of adoption basically means when, when God, uh, when Jesus died upon the cross, when He went into the grave and He rose again, and when He rose and we received the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit has done, the Holy Spirit adopted us into the family of God. So now we are one with Jesus. We are now sons of God. Okay, so Amen. Jesus is the Son of God, and when God accepts us as His Son, that means that if God has Jesus as a son and we are sons, then Jesus would be our brother. Okay? So that means he bought us by the spirit of adoption. Now, in, 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 I think in the Roman culture in that time, when you have, if you adopted a, a child, then you have to give your child, the adopted son, the same privileges that you give your biological son. So this doesn't mean because we are adopted that God treats us differently. No, it doesn't mean that. Het beteken nie omdat ons nou, soos dat ek nou so sê, God is nie ons stiefpa nie. Ok? God is nie ons stiefpa nie. 
Want sommige tyde, die woordkie stief pa, kan sommige tyde vloekwoord wees vir baie. Want as jy een stief pa het, dan treed, dan hanteer mense jou soos een stief pa. Hy hanteer jou stief, want jy word een kant gesit en een kant gegooi. Maar God is nie ons stief pa nie. So wanneer hy vir ons anneem as sy kinders, beteken het hy sien vir ons precies soos hy vir Jesus sien. So hy sien vir ons in een met Jesus, en die selfde privileges wat Jesus het, het ons. Ok? Ek gaan nou daar kom om net te verduidelik wat ek bedoel met die privileges wat ons het, wat Jesus het, het ons ook. Nou sê, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Ok? So dit sê nou, God het ons aangeneem Nou sê hy, ons het nou, ons is nou ook gerechtig aan die, aan die boedel. Kom ons sê, die boedel, die inheritance, wat is inheritance in Afrikaans? Erforcing. So, wat hy sê is dat ons is nou gelijk met Christus en ons het ook nou deel aan die selfde erforcing wat Christus het. Ok, so, dit beteken, God hanteer nie vir ons soos een stief pa nie. Hy hanteer vir ons soos een eie kinders nie. Ok, because I say, we are children of God, if children then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Dat beteken dat, wanneer ons dier, when we go through persecution because of Christ, then we share in the same glory that Christ has. Ok, so wanneer mense jou vervolg, omdat jy Christus dien, denk net daaran, as jy deel het aan die vervolging, het jy net soveel deel in die glorie. Ok? En ons weet wat die glorie is. What is the glory of God? Colossians 1.27 says, This now, it has been hidden before time, but now it has been revealed. And this is a revelation that Christ in us, the hope of glory. So wat het beteken dat, if we have Christ in us, we have the fullness of the hope of glory of God inside of us. So alles, wat God het, het hy aan Christus gegeen, en wanneer ons Christus in ons het, omdat hy alles het, wat binnen hom is, het ons alles, wat hy binnen hom het, omdat hy in ons is. Ok? En wat ons moet verstaan, sommige tye is dat, wanneer ons sê, I am in Christ, dan kan het sommige tye ook voel dat, because I am in Christ, Jesus is daar, ek is hier. Ok, dat betekent ek is in Christ. Wat nou sê dit, God, Christ is in us. So dit raak nou nader. So is dit nou so nader as God binnen jou en is, wat God sien, is nie jou self in identiteit die, God sien Jesus. So wanneer ons hom ontvang, het ons een heilige geest ontvang, en sy heilige geest sê vir ons, omdat jy nou Christus in jou het, is jy een kind van God en jy het deel in die erfenis, so wanneer ons pa na ons kyk, sien hy Jesus, ok, en so sommige tye, wanneer hy sê sans, so het is niks gender attached to it, ok, there is no gender attached to the word sans here, ok, so I'm not gonna say God is gender neutral, because there is men and there is women, but when he says sans, I would like to use, if I can, I would like to use an acronym, Ekronim moet be same of nature, a acronym, jy is net soos jou pa. So when we read the word son, we should know that we are, we have the same nature that Jesus has. So we are same of nature. So the Holy Spirit affirms us, en om vir iemand te affirm beteken het basis is dat, jy kry, hy valideer het, you get validation. So the Holy Spirit validates what God says. So if God says we are sons, now the Holy Spirit lives in us, and because He is in us, He validates what God says. So when we see orphan, then the Holy Spirit says no son. So we should never look at ourselves through the lens of how we see ourselves. Because sometimes our minds are corrupted. Okay? When we look at ourselves through the flesh, we will never see the perfect picture that God sees. So we have to look at ourselves through Jesus. So when we see Jesus, we see basically what God is like. 
okay what God looks like as well and when God looks at us he sees it's like a mother he sees his son he sees himself okay Paul even says it that uh, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians 13 he says that when I was a child I did the things of the child that now I am grown I do the things of a grown man but now he says that now I look in the mirror so but they know sin is misschien nie perfect maar wat hy gaan sien gaan meer en meer perfect raak dit wil sê is dat hoe meer en meer onsself ons onsself sien in Christus hoe meer en meer word ons opgebouw in ons geloof en hoe meer en meer loop ons as kinders van God perfect okay en ons is perfect in Christus en hy sê we don't sommige tye voel ons nie like we are firm verstaan omdat ons sekere dinge deur gaan we go through stuff during the week, we go through stuff during the month, and sometimes um, we don't feel like we are sons of God, and sometimes we feel like uh, 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 um, 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 we don't, we don't met, measure up to what God says we are, okay? But that is basically just because we view ourselves like not as God sees us, because we view ourselves as how we see ourselves. It is good to, to view yourself and, uh, as, as what you see yourself as, but it's even better to view yourself from God's perspective because our perspective can sometimes deceive us because today you can see, oh, I am so blessed, I am, I, I am well, I am healed, I am delivered, God is good. But then tomorrow you look in the mirror again depending on how you wake up or what side of the bed you wake up and then you see like, Oh, I don't feel good today. I don't feel this. I don't, I don't think I'm a, I'm a child of God today. I don't feel like a child of God today. So our own perception of what we think we are can deceive us. Okay? So we must never look at what we think about ourselves. We need to look at what God thinks about us. So if we say that God loves us, we need to con be convinced that God loves us. Okay? So God is our Father. He doesn't need to affirm us for, uh, by being our Father. We need to affirm ourselves of being His sons. Okay? As jy pa is hier binnen, jy hoef nie vir jou kind te sê, ek is jou pa nie. Jou kind weet, jy is sy pa. Maar sommige tye weet jou kind nie, dat hy jou sien is nie. En sommige tye moet ons ons self remind dat we are God's children. I'm a child of God and because I'm a son of God, it means basically that I have part in the inheritance of what God has given us. Okay? And so God has given us the Holy Spirit. And so in essence, we need the Holy Spirit to always confirm to us that we are sons. So you can never, I don't want to say you can never be a son without the Holy Spirit, but you can never be a son without the affirmation of the Holy Spirit. As a heilige geest die dan is het die soon. Okay? But it doesn't end there. It ends with us. Because Paul says here, I am convinced. Amen. So God can convince us. The Holy Spirit can convince us. But if we are not convinced, then it won't take, it gaan nie werk in ons leven dan. Okay? So because when God says we are sons, it actually means like grown-ups. So the word there is heos. Mature sons. Okay? It doesn't mean because God says you are a mature son, you are mature. Because ons krijg baie groot mense wat nie soos groot mense is. You get what I'm saying? Jy kan een groot mens is, maar wil jy sê, jy is een opgewasse mense. Dit is een verskil. So you can be you can be a grown up, but it doesn't mean you are mature. So maturity is not dependent on how grown up you are. Maturity basically depends on you understanding who you are. Because when you know you are a son, you can live from that place. You do everything from that place. You don't do just you don't just do stuff because you need to do it. You don't have internet reactions. You don't you don't react to things. You respond to it because you know who you are and you know who your father is because the Holy Spirit validates it. Now, because the Holy Spirit validates it, you accept it, now you can live in it. Okay? So, being a son doesn't end with the Holy Spirit, it ends with us. So, whether we accept it or not, is going to greatly depend on how, I wouldn't say how blessed we are, because we are already blessed. It's going to depend on how mature we are. Okay? 
even though God says we are mature sons, it is our responsibility to get to know Him, to get to know His character, to get to know His nature, to get to know our brother Jesus, so that we can mature and become like Him. Okay? So the end of everything else, when people, when people look at you, they don't have to see you, they see the Christ in you. Amen. They see Amen. Jesus in you. Okay, so Paul says that he is uh, um, laying all the stuff down so that he can be matured in Christ. He says that I, I, I build myself up in Christ for whatever is lacking. Okay, it doesn't mean Christ lacks in his life. What, oh, what it only means is that maybe in an area of your life you are not Christ-like. Now you lay down the things that keeps you down and you receive Jesus and you allow God to come into that area of your life. And now when He comes in, now He matures you. Okay, it's like the Bible says that Jesus says that uh, uh, when Jesus says that I am the true vine and my Father is the farmer. Now He says that when you bear, bear fruit, God prunes us. So that means that pruning, if you... And then you can see the fullness of that flower, the fullness and the beauty of that flower. That is the same thing that God does with us because He loves us and because we are His children, He prunes. But He doesn't prune us in a way that, uh, that we feel neglected or He disregards us. But he prunes us so that we can uh, we we mature in our identity. Okay, so we we shouldn't we shouldn't neglect the pruning of God. So one of the other secret things in your life and one of the other for you, yeah, and secret, how can I say, secret character in scope of identity. Hey, from Christus, he is not weg. Let him too. Don't push him away, because the Bible says that the Father loves the one He disciplines. Okay. So the discipline of God comes from love. And that discipline doesn't mean that God is hitting us with a stick. No. The discipline means basically what He is doing. He is uh, um, loving us because He disciplines us in love. That basically means that He is uh, just getting us into in line with what His heart is for us. It doesn't mean that because God disciplines, He just pushes us away. Because, again... When we look at our own mind in terms of what discipline is, then it looks very different. Okay? As also skinners discipline here, like by a verskillen van what Godse discipline is. Okay? Ours discipline can misschien a rotang of a bial wees, but Godse discipline is in liefde in. Okay? So, hy sit vir jou recht in liefde. So that jy kan wees wat hy, wat, wat, wat hy weet jy is. Okay? Nie wat jy nog kan wees, hy weet wie jy is. Okay? Um, the fullness, God knows the fullness about us. Okay, us can maybe not the fullness of but God knows the fullness about us. Okay, so we must never allow the outside, we must never allow the outside to influence what is inside. So what is inside is Christ, what is inside is the Holy Spirit, what is inside is perfect, but sometimes when we go through stuff, we sometimes allow the outside, the things that we go through, the omstandigheden rondom ons en wat met ons gebeur om te effecteer wat binnen ons aangaan. Okay? So ons moet nooit kyk buiten toe eers hee. Vooral wanneer ons hier goed gaan, kyk eers binnen toe. Want binnen ons is Christus. What in us is Christ, not outside of us. What in us is Christ. It doesn't mean because the situation looks bad, that inside it is bad. Okay? The Bible says that, I think it's in the book of 2 Corinthians where it says that even though outwardly we are failing, but inwardly we are constantly being renewed. Mm. So that means that even if you go through circumstances today, you are still being renewed. That also means that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you are new. Mm. When you wake up the morning after that, you are new. Because the Bible says that His mercies are new every morning. So ons is elke dag is ons niet. So daar is nie iets wat ons sê, omdat ons dier omstandighede gaan, ons is nie niet nie. You are new. Yeah. It is just you are going through something, but 
Don't look at what you are going through outwardly. Don't look through the eyes of the flesh, but look through the eyes of the spirit. And when we look through the eyes of the spirit, our first response needs to be to look within first. Who are we in Christ? What does God say about us? Okay, what I'm going through doesn't determine my identity. What I'm going through doesn't determine what God thinks of me. Because God always thinks well of us. He always thinks the best of us. Okay, so I said it, uh, uh, that Jesus is our, our older brother. And like we should, what I want to say is that we should never allow what is outside to rob us what has been validated on the inside. If the Holy Spirit gave us validation in our hearts that we are sons, don't let the circumstances on the outside tell you you are lesser. Because you are not lesser. Because God says you are a son, then you are a son. There's no two ways about it. Because God does not have an identity crisis. Sometimes we have, but that's why He can say Father. And irrespective of when we go through stuff, yeah. when we doesn't feel, when we don't feel like we, we, when we don't feel like a son, God still thinks of you as a son. He still sees you as the best. Okay, He still sees you like, this is the best gift I have in the earth. You are like the very best thing that, uh, um, that God ever created. Because like God took like six days to create everything and then he rested and then so when God rested and after he rested he created man so what does it mean God created us in rest he didn't create us in chaos meaning he prepared everything beforehand so that we can be able to have that so our sole responsibility is to manage what God gave us we are stewards of what God gave us okay so when we when we look at how God works is God never works in chaos. He always works in harmony. He always works in harmony. And everything that God does, it's, it's, in, it's in rest. Okay? So He created the man on the sixth day, and on the seventh day He rested. So the first thing that God tells us to do is what? Rest. Rest. But what I'm saying is rest. Rest in Him. He created you. And... The sole reason He created us was for relationship. Because when we read the book of Genesis, we see that God always walked with Adam and it was in the cool of the day. Uh, I always want to say that David, the Yara, and Adam Galoop, it was echoed. It was warm. It was altered cool. It was always good. So that means that Adam was never sweating about the presence of God. He was always in the rest of God. He, so that means that when you are in the rest, then you think your best thoughts. Mm. When we look at the life of David even, the Bible says that uh, in the book of 2 Samuel, I think verse 6, it says that when God gave the David rest from all his enemies, mm. then the Bible says that then he remembered the oath he made unto Jonathan, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. So when we are in the rest of God, we remember we, then, then our minds, our minds. I don't say, I don't want to say our mind is running wild. But then we remember the things of God better. Okay, so when you go through stuff, you you will never. And, and when you focus on yourself, and when you depend on yourself as well, it's like when you go through stuff, it's like you will never. The first thing you will think about is never the goodness of God. It's always what do I have to do next? Do I have to do this? Must I do that? And all that kind of stuff. But it's never to come to a place of rest. But what God is telling us that on the inside we are sons and, and, and we are were made in rest. So when you go through stuff, the first thing you should do is rest. Allow God to, to, uh, to speak to you. Allow God to flow within you. Allow the Holy Spirit within you to remind you of who you are. And then you, we are able to face whatever situation we are in. Okay? So Jesus is our older brother. Okay? So... And we, we walk in the finished works of Jesus. We don't walk in what Jesus still has done. Because when we read the New Testament, even the letters of Paul, most of the time when he talks about Jesus, he talks about Jesus in the past tense. He doesn't speak in the present tense or in the future tense. Jesus still has to do this. It's like God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. 
So He has blessed us. So that means that we have, we have already received what God has done. Because we received Jesus, we already received that blessing of Jesus. Amen. And like when we think of that word blessing, our mind should never go to money first. Amen. Our mind should always go to what does that word blessing mean? Amen. That word blessing basically means that when it says that God has blessed us, it means that God speaks well of us. Amen. So even when we go through stuff, guess what? God speaks well of us. God thinks the best of us, even when we don't think the best of ourselves. Okay? So I want to go to the book of uh, Hebrews 2 and verse 11. Um, see, that's the thing about the Holy Spirit. You never get to what you want to get to because He's always talking to you while you are talking as well. And that is so amazing. That is the very first thing I felt this morning, even during worship, what everyone said. In the verses that everyone shared, it just, it just made it so easy just to come here and stand in front and to speak. It's, it's, it's just so, 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 so awesome. So I said that Jesus is our older brother. So the book of Hebrews 2 and verse 11 says that now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. Okay. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Okay. So that means that. Because we, are, we accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit validates what uh, God says that we are His sons. Now it says that even Jesus is not ashamed to call us His brother. So, Jesus is not ashamed of us. He's glad about us. He's laughing because of us. He's happy because of us. He's, he's joyful because of us. Okay? And when we look at Jesus as our older brother, we see like, yo, this guy is... Uh, when anyone asks you something like, who's the best person you want to have as a brother? Your hands down, I would say Jesus. Because like, because he's so close to you. And, and, and the closer, he's, he's like, like the, like the Bible says here, that he's not ashamed to call, to call you his brother. Sometimes we don't, uh, sometimes we experience it. Sometimes our family doesn't want to know who we are, maybe because of the things we've done, maybe because of like uh, things in our past or whatever, that now what they do, they push us away, but not Jesus. Mm. He knows the things that we have done in the past. He died for the things that we have done, but now He says, I'm not ashamed of them. No. I love them. Mm. This, they are the reason why I did this. So He accepts you. His heart is just open to us as well. So Romans 8, Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined yeah. to be confirmed to the image of his son. So that basically means that God predestined us. So predestined is basically everything that God says now, it has already been done. So the first thought God had was about us. So he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. He predestined us to have the image of Jesus. That's why we should always aspire to be more like Jesus. And not more like ourselves. Mm. Be more like Jesus. Um, I, I'm at a school where I'm doing uh, uh, like uh, live group sessions every Tuesday and Thursday. And the very first uh, day I came into the school, I told the, I, I told the kids this. I told them, you know what? If you don't know Jesus, you don't know yourself. And they were all like, wow, you cannot say that. You cannot say that. told them. Because our identity is so deeply rooted in who Jesus is. It's like you cannot separate the two. It's like when two people get married, what they normally do is they take the salt and they take the sugar and they throw it together. You cannot take the salt out of the sugar. Nor can you take the sugar out of the salt. It is joined together. That is how in tune we are with Christ. So, the more you know about Jesus, the more you know about yourself. Because Jesus has the full revelation of who we are. Okay? So, He knows us best. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Okay? So, never... Uh, I always laugh at people when they say, and when I talk to them, and I ask them, you know what? Don't you want to give the Lord a chance? Or don't you think that we should pray about this? And... God and the first word they tell me is that you know what it can myself how many of us have said that before mm, yes. 
I know I've said it, Eken myself. And normally when, when, when people start with Eken myself, that is when I pull out of the conversation because I know that, okay, it's done. Because when people say Eken myself, it means that you cannot reason with that person. So the, the, the chance of reasoning with him, it's, it's gone. Because I can't so can himself. And then when he gets into trouble, he asks, but how can God let me do this? No, you can yourself. So you need to ask yourself, how did you get yourself into this? And the very first thing is you didn't look to Jesus in the first place. Okay, so that means, uh, uh, then it says that we are the image of His Son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so that word firstborn means that Jesus was supreme. Okay, so uh, supreme basically means that He had authority. He had highest authority over everything. That means that basically, even though Jesus is our brother, but He's also the one with the most authority in our lives. So He can actually tell you what to do. Because He knows, He literally knows, and spiritually, in, in every way, He knows best. So, Colossians 1 verse 15 says that He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For, verse 16 says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. So, that just basically uh, solidifies what says that how, how supreme Jesus is because the Bible says that He is the image of God. So, when we look to Jesus, we see God. So, Jesus also says to His disciples that when you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. Amen. So when I am in you and the Father is in me, then we are both in you. Okay, so when, when I am in the Father and I am in you, that means that we are living in you now. It's like, uh, uh, I love what the, uh, what the translation says that, especially in Ephesians, where it says that God resides within us. So normally when people ask you, where do you reside? They literally ask you, where do you live? Where is your house? That is what also if they ask you, where do you reside? No, I reside in Salauris. But then they take you away in Salauris. This is my house. So now with us, God resides. So whenever we want to know where God's house is, just look in the mirror and you will see. There is His house. That is God's address. Okay, so you are God's address. Okay. So invisible, so whether thrones or dominions, or principalities or powers, all things were created through Him and for Him. That is just the supremacy of Christ. All things were created through Him and for Him. So He is above everything. Okay? And if He is above everything and He is in us, where are we? We are also above everything because He is in us. We are above the principalities, so we are above sickness. We are above diseases. We are even above the circumstances that we go through in life. You, we are above problems. We are even above persecution. Okay? So we can go through persecution and we need to see where is Jesus. So when we see where Jesus is, He is above. And then it, it, it goes on to say so, so lovely that uh, when we look at Jesus now, where is He? He is now at the, he is now at the right hand of the Father. And Ephesians 2 verse 6 says that we are seated with Christ. Where? In, in the heavenly places. So we are seated with Him. So if He's at the right hand of the Father, then we are at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so in the, then Colossians 3 says that we are so connected to Him that we are hidden with Christ in God. So it's like next level protection. So now I see... I think you security company can come. Okay? So try to break into God. And when, even when you try to break into God, God, you will just uh, end up accepting His Son. Because that is what you will find. If you can break down the door. That is the, that is the one thing. So Jesus is the way God is. So the struggles we face uh, uh, are the very things that He went through. I just want to explain us this. is like, he went through it. And I want to just make a correlation between how the Holy Spirit says that we are His sons and then what happened with Jesus after He was baptized. So the Bible says in the book of 
Matthew 3, 16 and 17, it says that after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. That word settling, I cut a rustle So the Spirit was resting in him. And what is so remarkable about that, the Bible says that while they were in the upper room waiting for the promise, they were seated. They, they were seated. So they were in a place of rest because God said, I'm going I'm to give you the Holy Spirit. So they were just waiting on the promise. Now it says that after, uh, after this, after the Spirit rested on him, it says, and the voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So when the Holy Spirit rested on him, God confirmed, this is my son. So the Holy Spirit with God affirmed Jesus as this is the son of God. Okay, and then when we, right after that, Jesus went through, goes through temptation. When we read in Matthew 4, the devil comes. And we read how God, how Jesus counters him with a word. Okay, so the devil can he work. Because the enemy, what he did, he quoted scripture to Jesus. So when we don't know the word and when the enemy comes, it is easy for him to rob us of what we have. So when we have no knowledge and no revelation of who Jesus is, then the enemy can come and steal. He steals from us. He takes away. So he deceives us. He knows he's defeated. So the only way he can, he, um, um, he can get us to forget who we are, it is to be deceptive. Because he say, the Bible says that he is as cunning as a viper and as soft as a dove. So sometimes he looks good and he can be, he looks good and he's very, very cunning. He can say the right words. He can say all these things. When we look at Genesis, we see he did the very same thing with Eve. He did the very same thing with her. He said, did God say? And then when he came to Jesus, he said, for the Lord if you jump off here, the Lord says that, then he quoted Psalm 91 to, to Jesus. And then Je because Jesus knew the Father, and the Father was in him, and he had the Holy Spirit, he could have said that, for the, the scripture and the word says, we should not test God. Okay, and when he showed him all the things of the world as well. So that's the very same thing that we go through, test that we go through each and every day. So the first thing he did was he tested him. He said, if you bow to me, everything that is here that you see and all its glory will be yours. But bow to me. But then he said, you should love God with all your heart. Yes. For that is what the Bible Amen. says. Okay. But we don't live by that rule that you should love God. But we, what we live by is that we love because he first loved us. So God showed us what love is by giving Jesus and so pouring love in us, and so now we can love. Not because we have to love, but we get to love people because God loves us, and we know His love. Okay? So this is the temptation that we go through every day. The Bible says in the book of 1 John 2 verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So, this is what we go through every day. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So the lust of the, lust of the flesh is basically our gratifying our own flesh. We're living for our own pleasures, our worldly desires, our worldly pleasures. And it says the lust of the eyes, the things that we see, now we covet, now we want it. Okay? But for all these things, it says the lust of the flesh. Now it says that walk by the spirit and not by the flesh. Okay, and then he says that the lust of the eyes that we covered. Now Jesus says to us in the book of Hebrews 13 verse 5, he says that um, do not, he says we should not covet money, but he says that I am with you. Then he says, uh, um, let me read that because my water I know Let me read that where he says, Hebrews 13 and verse 5, he says that do not love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God says, I will never leave you. 
and I will never abandon you. So when God says that he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us, that means that we shouldn't, we shouldn't love the things of the world. Okay? It doesn't say we shouldn't have it. It says that we shouldn't love it. We shouldn't love it to a point that it consumes us. It takes hold of, of, of us. But he says, I am with you. He says, now be, he says, be content because I am with you. So he says, be content with my presence. What God is actually saying, I am enough. I am more than enough. Okay, so we don't have to lust after every other thing. We don't have to cover things because God is enough. Jesus is enough. Then it says that in the book of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, where uh, Paul explains to the Corinthians that when he talks about the temptations that we go through, he says that uh, the temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. He says God is faithful and He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can, more than you can bear. Okay, more than you can stand. He says when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure it. Okay, so when he says that the temptations that we go through, it is no different than what other people go through. So that basically means that um, the unbeliever goes through the same temptation as the believer. The only difference is that the unbeliever doesn't have Jesus. The unbeliever don't have the Holy Spirit that can guide them through the temptation, that can help them through it, that can come alongside them. So what that basically means when they are faced with the temptation, they will fall. Okay, the same with us is that even though we have God, when we take our eyes off Him and our focus away from Him, then what happens is when we are tempted, we fall easily. Then we fall prey to that temptation. But it says now that the temptation in your life is no different than what else, but say God is faithful. It's so, it is so beautiful because it, it says that God doesn't lead you to temptations. I said, the temptations you go through now, after that it says that God is faithful. So what it's saying is that when we go through temptations, look at the faithfulness of the Father. Don't look at yourself. Because you are going through it, it doesn't mean that you cannot look to Jesus. Look at His faithfulness. And He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. Okay? So He will not allow the temptation to overpower you. He will not allow the temptation to... To, to, uh, to grab hold of you. But what it's also saying is that the temptation in your life, it means that we will go through temptation. Because when we walk out here into the world, what we see, what we feel, what we smell, what we taste, and all the kind of things, they, become, they can become temptation to us. So it doesn't say we will never go through temptations. Because that is not how God is. Jesus says that in this world you will have trouble. But then he says that, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Okay, so we don't look to ourselves to overcome the world. We look to Jesus. Amen. So when we look to Jesus to, uh, uh, and see that he has already overcame the world, we overcome. Okay, so we are overcomers because Jesus is in us. Okay, so it doesn't mean that you need to now walk straight into temptation because Jesus is in you. I believe when Jesus is in you and the Holy Spirit resides in you, even when you walk straight into temptation, there will be a voice that comes from the inside and tell you, don't go, don't do this, don't do that. Okay? So that just means that we go through the same things that the unbeliever goes through, but we have an advantage over the unbeliever because we have Jesus on the inside and we have the Holy Spirit constantly affirming who we are. Okay, so that means that he will not allow us to go through it. So when we are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. That enduring basically means it's not like you will suffer through it. Okay, that enduring is it's basically he will accompany you so that that temptation won't overtake you. Okay, I love the word compassion uh, when I when I. Uh, um, that is how compassionate God is. He says that He will show you a way out that you can endure. When we look at the word compassion, the word compassion basically means to suffer with someone. Mm. So when God shows compassion towards us, what we are going through, that means that Jesus is going through us with it. 
So while we are suffering, I'm not saying He suffers with us, but He is He has compassion towards us because He knows what we're going through. Yeah. He's with us. He's in us. Sure. So like when you go through it, see this, Jesus is going through it as well because He's on the inside. So everywhere we go, we take God with us mm. because He's in us. And that is very important to understand because that validates sonship, that validates identity as well. Mm. That basically means that what you go through does not mean you are less than what God thinks of you. Okay? Amen. So then it says that God goes through us with our suffering and He has compassion. Now it says here in the book of Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16, it says that the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Like, we just said it. Jesus and Deiros, I say, understand our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testing we do. He faced, meaning he went through it before we did. Yet he did not sin. Because we know Jesus is perfect. He was the only sinless uh, man born into this world. Okay? So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in the time of need. So what this is basically saying that when we are going through the stuff that Jesus is with us. He understands our weakness because he faced it just the way. Now the remedy for this, what Jesus is saying is that because he went through it, but without sin and he is in us, now we can come boldly. I always, I get out of gedink that as ik iets verkeerd gedoen het, dan kan ik nie meer vrijwillig naar God toe kom nie. But what this scripture says that, when you're going through it, come boldly. Kom nog steeds. Kom met oorgave. Moet nie net kom nie, kom met oorgave. You understand? So he says that, there you will receive mercy, and you will find grace to help in the time of need. So the first thing we will find, when we go through stuff, is the mercy of God. Amen. Yeah. It's so powerful. Mm. When we go through anything, the first thing we find, it is the mercy of God. And then we have grace to help us through it. Okay, so God doesn't only give mercy, but He pours grace into us. So that means that we can come boldly. So we don't have to approach our Father like, mm. So we can approach our Father now, God, you know what? Uh, even though I don't feel like this, I still come boldly. Amen. Because I believe what you say about Amen. me. And I don't believe what I say about me. Yes. And what I did or what I do does not determine mm. what you think of me and how you see me. You. Okay? Because the thing is this, we can never outsend God. Amen. You cannot outsend God. You cannot outsend the mercies of God. Okay? So, now it says that, ons gaan die plane no land. Now it says that uh, 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 He helps us in the most time of our need. So the first thing you receive is mercy. So when you will look at the Father and when we go through stuff and when we feel bad about ourselves, when we even did something bad and we think now we cannot go to Him, guess what? It's not that. Now God says that even if you've done something wrong, come boldly. I will, I will go as far as say that especially when you feel you've done something wrong, Come boldly. Because Amen. the first thing you will find is mercy. Amen. Okay? The Bible says in the book of James that God gives mercy without judgment. Yes. Okay? So God never judges us based on what we do. Because He knows us by our identity. Amen. He knows us as sons. He knows us Amen. as His children. Okay? So it says here that Jesus went through this. So Hebrews 12 verse 1 and 2. It says that. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily strips us, uh, 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 that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Okay? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Okay? Because... Of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. In the other translation, it says that he is seated at the right hand of God. Okay? So now he says, 
let us strip of every weight so you can determine for yourself what that weight can be that weight can be trouble in your life whatever that weight is that slows you down because when we are going through stuff and when we are experiencing stuff and uh, um, uh, um, I, I think this morning you had a word for someone this morning where you yeah. said that it felt like a weight that is on their shoulders so when that weight is heavy this is how you walk because you cannot go you, because you are carrying that stuff now he says that the weight that slows us down now he says especially the sin that trips us up mm. now we know it doesn't say sins because if it means sins it means like you did something but it says the sin that sin also means you did something but that something is just basically you did not believe in God. Mm. So the sin that we face every day is unbelief. Mm. So when we go through certain circumstances in our life, the only thing that will weigh us down even more will be not believing that God can get us through. So unbelief takes us, keeps us away from that what God wants us to do, from that what God wants to take us through. Okay? So, why unbelief? Because the Bible says in the book of John uh, 16 and verse 8, when God will send, Jesus says that, when I will send the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin and uh, the believer of righteousness and of judgment. Then he goes on to say, of sin because they do not believe. Not because they drink, they smoke, they do this, they do that and the other. It's because they do not believe. So the things we do is a result of not believing. So how do we cast unbelief out of our life? And this is uh, Hebrews uh, 1 and verse uh, 12 explains it so greatly. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Okay, now then it says, let us run the race with endurance that God has set before us. Meaning that we don't have to run a race that is unknown to us. God has set the race before us. Meaning it's already been set for us to run this race. Okay? Why a race and not a sprint? Because a walk with God is a marathon. It's not 100 meters and then you go. Okay? That means that while you're going through the race, that you will experience some stuff. Yeah. But now it says that we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. The champion who, he, who initiates and perfects our faith. That meaning, meaning basically that if when it says the champion, it means that he has already conquered the race. So he started and he finished the race. Remember what I said in the first, uh, remember what I said earlier that we, uh, we started the finish line? This basically explains that when Jesus, he is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So he, he, he makes our faith perfect when we look to Him, when we live in Him, when we look to Him and not the things that yeah. weigh us down. Yeah. Okay? And especially the sin, the unbelief. So we should never allow when we go through stuff, unbelief to creep into our minds. Okay? Because that is also deception what the enemy uses to get to us. The devil is a defeated foe. He is defeated. He has no more power. Colossians 2 verse 15 says that God, Jesus has stripped him all of all his power and put him openly to shame. So what does he want to bring on us? He wants to bring shame, guilt, and condemnation. Because when we live in condemnation, we will never see the grace of God. We cannot see it because our eyes and our judgment is clouded. Clouded with, the, with, with, with our own thoughts and our own feelings. Not feeling good enough. Not feeling that we are accepted. Not feeling we are loved. Not feeling that God is for <coughs> us. So then he says, uh, he's the champion and the perfecter of our faith because of the joy awaiting him. That basically means the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. So it means that he disregarded the shame. He took it upon himself. So we don't have to be shameful anymore. We don't have to feel shame about our past, about what we have done. And, and, and th this is also how God confirms identity as well. He takes away the shame. He takes away all the guilt. He takes away the condemnation. Because most of the stuff that we go through, it is a result of 
unbelief in what we think of ourselves Amen. and what we perceive about ourselves. Okay? And not Amen. what God says and what and what, what God has already established. Okay? So this is not an idea what God thinks of us. This is something that He knows. Yeah. This is something that He knows in the Holy Spirit affirms. So it's important to know Jesus, but it is also more important to know that we have the Holy Spirit within us. Because the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will remind us of the truth. He will remind us of who we are. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. He's at the right hand side of God. It's like as we see in a movie, you know, seen the outtensive films, but the where where the guys are kings and queens. There's always this one big throne, and then there's a throne on the left and a throne on the right. And now Jesus is on the right hand side of God, and we are seated next to Him. Okay, so it's like God gives us His right hand of fellowship, meaning that He accepts us. He sees us as a brother. Okay, Paul says the same thing that when Peter and, and James saw the grace that was upon his life, they gave him the right hand of fellowship. They accepted him as a brother and they accepted him into the ministry of God. And it's the same. God accepts us into his kingdom. He accepts us not only... He accepts us not only as people that gave our life to Him, but He accepts us as sons, legitimate sons, because He has an inheritance for us. And now the same thing that Second uh, Corinthians 12 uh, verse 9 says that when we go through things, okay, now He says that God says, My grace for you is sufficient, for my strength is made known in your weakness. So when we are weak within ourselves, God is strong. Amen. So what does it mean? Even when we are weak, we should rely on God's strength, not on our weakness. Okay, because when we are in our weakness, we will always have that, I am weak, and kreme yamar, and alaiti padanga, and so But that is not what God wants. God wants us to be bold, to come, to receive mercy, and to find grace. But He always also wants us to know that even when we are weak, He is strong. So our dependence should never be on us. It should be on Him. And our life that we love now, it is not on us. It is on Him. It is on Jesus. But our responsibility is to get to know Him. Get to know who He is. And that validates us. So, this morning I just want to thank you and I hope you were blessed by what I said. And uh, I hope our hearts are, you have received what I said because... I am so blessed as I speak now. I am so blessed by this because God is encouraging me also and telling me also that it's time to lay aside the weight Amen. and the sin, the unbelief. Just look to Jesus. The race is already won. We are already victorious. We are already winners because we have Christ within us. So when we walk, let's walk boldly into what God has for us because He sees us as sons and the Holy Spirit validates us each and every day because it's most essential. Thank you so much. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca